This podcast sponsored by Prime Super, a leading industry super fund specialising in the health and aged care sector. Go to primesuper.com.au to see what we can do for you. So you came into this job as a career chef. How has the cooking for aged care changed your outlook or your food philosophy? It, it's, I mean, it's a huge paradigm shift, but it was actually probably the most rewarding job I've ever had. Um, it's, you know, we, it, it's, uh, it gives off a lot. It, it gives a lot back more than um, it would, you know, like if it was uh, in a restaurant. So was, like you go home and you forget about it. But, you know, um, for uh, improving the quality of life of a person, particularly living with dementia or, you know, a life, um, you know, uh, somebody who's quite sick, it's, um, you know, it's quite rewarding to actually um, get them to have a good dining experience. So, yeah, it's, it's very rewarding. And what are the, some of the key things you've learned in this part of your food journey? It's, I mean, it's a real, um, you know, so it was a real eye-opener eye starting um, and not realising how, um, you know, I suppose I take my hat, um, hat off to all the aged care chefs and cooks and hospital chefs and cooks. Um, it's a really, you know, it's a minefield of, uh, you know, legislation you have to follow, uh, you know, it's, you know, because you're cooking for vulnerable people, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's, it could be life-threatening if you don't do it right. So there's a lot of, um, there's a, little, a lot of onus and pressure on um, an aged care cook or chef. Um, and it, so it, it's quite a difficult job, but it's also very rewarding too. So, it ha- you know, it's really positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose now with um, the likes of Maggie Beer Foundation, the Lantern Project, which I support, um, you know, it's um, there's, there's chefs and cooks now um, are actually, uh, you know, um, going through the positive change as, you know, food and aged care improves. And, you know, and you see some good stories now, you know, that obviously there's been a lot of the press recently, but um, th- there's positive stories get, getting out there now. You, you just kind of touched upon it, but... What are the different thought processes when you sit down to write a recipe for someone in aged care or palliative care compared to in your former life as a, a chef? Well, it's no, it's no real different, really. It's, um, I suppose, it's, um, you know, I suppose um, the interesting thing of writing restaurants in, you know, writing recipes, uh, menus in restaurants is you can, you know, you you write them out and you you think oh something is probably not as popular as something else and you can sort of work out what's not as popular so um and then if they don't sell then you just tweak them and reword them and you can actually um you know improve the sales of those dishes just from uh, words so i suppose in aged care it's not overwhelming understanding your your customer or, or the residents um you know and find out what they want you know not what you think that they should have that's the difference so um and we're seeing a slow paradigm shift now of you know like your meat three veg which was you know uh, you know um a comfort food which is fantastic most people in aged care love comfort food but we're actually now seeing that you know with baby boomers coming through that um you know there's that, um choices um you know there's got to be a lot more choice and a lot more i suppose up-to-date dishes as well uh, an old friend of yours was the inspiration for the book you talk about it it's the um, the title of the book is uh, Lobster of a Jacino. Yep. Can you talk to us a bit about that? Well, I was head chef of the Sydney Opera House and uh, Jacino was my second chef. And just before I started in aged care, you know, before I started with Hammond Care, I, um, 
I got a phone call from his wife, um, Georgia, and said, um, Jacino's quite sick, he's in the hospital where he's dying, and he's, he's got a bucket list, just wants to say goodbye to people, you know, uh, you know that um, he worked with and friends, you know. So I actually went to see him, and it was at lunchtime, and his meal came in a tray, and he lifted up the colosh and looked at his meal, and he could see his shoulders drooping. and go, how am I supposed to eat this, you know? He goes, uh, I said, well, what do you want? And he goes, oh lobster you know love some lobster so i said all right so i went out to the see the nurse and said i'm just going to get some lobster for a jacino he's asking for it she goes no you're not you can't bring that in that's a high-risk food blah, blah, blah. you can't do that so <clears throat> i went back and i said look i said jacino they won't let me bring it in but i'll smuggle it in tomorrow and he laughed he goes okay and um um, unfortunately, uh, I went back the next day and he was in the coma and didn't recover. He passed away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, but <clears throat> I think um, before he, um, you know, before I left, he goes, you know what really annoys me? He goes, if I was on death row, you know, I could choose my last meal, but just because I'm, you know, um, I'm sick, very sick, you know, I can't eat what I want. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and that, I suppose it was in the back of my mind and that's when I, I saw the advert uh, probably about six months later. Um, for the role I've got now with Hammondcare, mm-hmm. which was a food ambassador. And, um, and that's what sort of changed me. I thought, wow, it'd be good to do, you know, make it, you know, improve the quality of somebody's life through food rather than just feed people in restaurants with egos. Yeah, I mean, I love that inspiration. Did you find similar obstacles? Obviously, you've written this book now. Are there obstacles in implementing the recipes in aged care facilities or talking to hospitals about it? Um... Oh, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, but the first two books, we're actually seeing um, a lot of the recipes are being harnessed by uh, hospitals and aged care. It was it had a lot of interest in the UK. Did a tour of UK, uh, Northern Ireland, and Scotland uh, last two years ago with the first two books, and they were really well received. <clears throat> um, and over here, you know, you see uh, bits and pieces, you know, like um, I suppose um, use of moulds now for moulding pureed foods is, um, you know, is, is now really happening. Um, and the molecular foams for people, you know, with uh, swallowing difficulties, we're actually using in our palliative care um, uh, areas in our hospitals. So um, it's, yeah, you've seen, a, you, you are seeing a, there is a lot of interest in um and it's very difficult. So um, all the book, all three books have been co-authored with um, speech pathologists and a dietitian. So um, they're you know they're clinically accurate. I mean, the first book, "Don't Give Me Eggs at Bounce," is now um, a research book. Um, they're using that um, in Flinders University um, for speech pathology and dietetics as a reference book. So that you know that's a that's a great win-win. That one. If I can go back to the the start, so we just talked about your initial idea and inspiration. What were the next steps after that? In uh, I'm thinking about research and implementing the ideas. There's um and, and you know um with the first two books um we did a I did a little a lot of um training and education um through the dementia centre. We we I'd go and do uh, like a training demos all over Australia. I've done that and um, also uh, support the Maggie Beer Foundation. So I, um, myself and Maggie actually cook at all her um, training forums for um, uh, inspire, you know, like uh, cooks and chefs in aged care. And we, I'll um, unpack information from the books and uh, share that with them. So 
you know, and they, they send me, you know, I see pictures of what they're, they're transforming food. So it does happen. It's, you know, it's uh, drip feeding people information. One thing I hadn't really considered before I'd, I heard about the book and before I started reading it was uh, food or taste for patients who are nil by mouth. How challenging was it coming up for recipes uh, for that situation? Um, well, obviously, you know, because they can't eat anything, so we'll swallow. So, uh, um, so I mean, obviously, with the um, with the with these recipes, um, it does work, um, and it's just a, it's a simple like molecular gastronomy where it's like um, an air. So you use like a little fish pump, and you've got your whatever it is. It could be strawberries and cream, and you. Um, it's actually got um, a thickener, um, uh, which is put into that. So it actually the bubbles hold their form. So then what happens then, um, you start the air filter and you get all these lovely bubbles and you scoop the bubbles from the top of the li- liquid. And they hold on a spoon so you can just um, put them up to um, a person's nose. And the, the basal stimulation, they can smell you know, what, what you're actually um, offering them. And then you put some on their tongue and it just dissipates on the tongue they don't swallow anything but they get this flavor sensation mm-hmm. have you been able to get so much it's a bit feed- like basal Sorry. stimulation mm-hmm. have you been able to get much feedback from people who are nil by mouth or uh <clears throat> sort of in palliative care about these sort of foams and um airs? Well, the foams yes yeah well, the foams have been a uh, um um if, for a lot of people having a, um, a thickened fluid is quite challenging um you know um so the thickest fluid would be like almost like a nectar, you know. So if you had thickened water, it, it's quite confronting drinking really, really thick water. You know, it sort of, um, you know, it's quite surreal. So um, as simple as just getting 300 mils of um, grapefruit juice and a little bit of sugar, you know, some vanilla maybe, um, and you strain that through a sieve, and then you add um, this uh, jelly um, thickener. Um, it's um, it's called uh, spuma gastro. It's like a molecular compound it's exanthem gum and uh, maltodextrin you add that to it and put it in one of those cream ripping guns and you can charge that with nitrous oxide and it turns it into a really delicious foam so it's um it's actually turns it into like a mousse which actually holds in the mouth so it's it's great for somebody who's got um swallowing difficulty i feel like this molecular gastronomy style of aged care food wouldn't have been possible 20 years ago what's the next step for food in aged care or where are you going to go next well, that's another good question, and uh, <clears throat> I don't actually know. Um, I um, well, with this book too, um, I've, 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 you know, I worked on things that haven't uh, actually, um, you know, there's a lot of precision cooking done as well. That's the way things are going to go. I think um, we're going to see a lot more precision cooking, which offers more choice. There's a lot of there's some exciting new um, pieces of equipment coming out in the next year, um, which will actually. Um, you know, benefit people in uh, hospitality and aged care and hospital sectors. Where, um, they're like, um, it's like a, like a precision cooking oven where you can actually hold things, you know, for a, um, a length of time. It works on time and temperature. So there's less wastage, but it also means you can offer more. So you, I mean, I, I think the big thing now, particularly in hospitals, you're seeing this uh, more of a, an a la carte type um, um, offering um, being achieved now, in, in particularly in American hospitals, so I think that will be the, um, you know, that's where it will eventually go. As with molecular gastronomy, um, I can't see. I think we've harnessed everything's been harnessed. Um, I'm in the new book too. There's a lot of um, 
benefits from um, using you know dehydrated fruit because it packs more power and certain things you can actually turn into powders to um, um, boost flavor to things so um, I think you know there's a lots of ways of um, adding flavor to a meal you know without um, overpowering it with seasoning you know like like you could use uh, uh, dried puccini mushrooms grind that down to a powder and use that as a flavoring maybe somebody's on a salt reduced diet they can actually um that you know if you covered a piece of chicken in this dust and pan fried it um it'll taste amazing and there's no seasoning on it yeah so someone's on a salt-free diet they can actually have fun peter morgan jones thank you very much for joining us thank you very much Connor. um really enjoyed it thank you